Welcome to season two of the Stephanie Humphrey podcast. This season features our biblical teaching segment, Study With Me, where we read through portions of the Old and New Testament, and Sip and Say with Stephanie, where you hear Stephanie's perspective on social issues, world events, and whatever is on her mind. Join us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Want to leave Stephanie a message? Go to our podcast on Anchor FM and click the message button, and you just might be featured on her podcast. Don't forget to like and share your favorite episodes. We look forward to engaging with you soon. Blessings. the plan tonight but I just feel like singing so welcome to sip and say with Stephanie I am so excited that you've chosen to join me on tonight so let me do my song welcome to sip and say with Stephanie how are y'all doing Woo-hoo, it's Thursday night Woo-hoo. I'm acting like it's Friday night, right? Friday night, just got paid. I know I'm off with that song, right? I haven't heard it in a while. (laughs) But how y'all doing tonight? This again, welcome to Sip and Say with Stephanie. I keep saying it because I'm really excited to be here tonight. Um, I had a good day at work today. I got some things done that I needed to get done. And then I worked on some other projects that have been entrusted to me. And I'm very thankful for that, that my director trusts me to do some new implementations that she she really didn't necessarily give them to me, but it was like, it needs to be done. I took the responsibility and I feel really good about it. Um, I took on a project last year that I'll be continuing this year. Just did some updating for the upcoming school year. And then now I have another new project, very similar to the other one that I've taken on. And I'm so excited about that as well. I'm thankful for the success and the achievements and the progress that I've made on my job in this still fairly new, about a year old. In April, it'll be a year in this new position and I've taken on more responsibility than I thought I would have, but it's been good for me to implement some new procedures, some new programs, some new guidelines. It's been really good for me to expand and elevate and grow in my leadership skills and in my creativity skills and in supporting the overall program for the Office of Early Education. I'm really excited about all the good things that God has entrusted me with, that my supervisor has entrusted me with, and I'm thankful, and I look forward to more to come. All right, so how are y'all doing? How was your work day today? How was your retirement day today? How was your day off today, your birthday, your anniversary, whatever you're celebrating, whatever you've done today? How was your day? I'm going to be honest. I took a few more minutes today at work to just relax and breathe. I decided to take care of my mental health and and to take care of my emotional health that I will take a few more breaks throughout the day just so I can assess my body, assess my mind and my heart, and then reset if I need to reset. So today was the first day 
in a very, very long time that I took a few extra minutes just to to breathe, to relax, to get up from my desk, to walk through the building, to go here, to go there, just again so that I can be refreshed mentally and emotionally so I can reset and be ready to start the next project that I needed to work on for today. So that was one thing that I'm thankful that I did today. And I think I'm going to continue to do that. I think we here in America, maybe in other countries, but in America in particular, I think we're so used to productivity, 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 that we don't take the time for ourselves throughout the workday. I understand that our jobs, they are paying us to do a job. I understand that and I get that. But they are there are lunch breaks, 15-minute breaks. There are times throughout the day that we need to take for ourselves. And I'm going to start doing that even more frequently than I've been doing in the past, especially now that I'm in the screening season and preparing to uh, welcome the new class of four-year-olds that will be joining us for next school year. It's imperative that I take care of me. Like I used to tell my assistants in the classroom, if they, you know, had doctor's appointments or, you know, whatever they had going on with their health, do what you got to do. Take care of you because there's only one you. There's only one me, so I have to take care of me. So, hey, hey, Aunt Wanda, how are you? I'm so glad that you joined that you joined us on tonight. It is so exciting to be here. So, look, I have probably talked enough as far as my welcome is concerned, but I was really excited to get uh, to sip and say with Stephanie tonight. I only have a few things to share with you tonight. I do have a few updates. I only have like just a few Black history moments for us to consider and to talk about on tonight. There's so much Black history. If you don't know, this is Sip and Say with Stephanie, the Black edition. There is so much rich, amazing, wonderful, excellent Black history moments, Black history inventors, Black history creators, Black history historians. Black history doctors, activists, you know, uh, whatever. There are so many of us that it is so hard to capture all of it in the hour or so time that we have. So I encourage you to do some research for your history. Who, who invented like the, the cotton gin? Um, well, we know Eli Whitney did that. So, side sidebar that one. Um, who, you know, did like over 300 um, different uh, varieties or creations with the peanut? You know, we ought we to know that one. Like, who invented the VOIP system, that the voiceover um, system that we use? It was created, it was invented by a Black woman. Like, do some research for yourself about the rich history that we have as Black Americans. So again, I'm only going to highlight a few tonight, and that's okay. You do the research for yourself. Man, I'm, Black history did not start on the cotton fields of America. Our history started in the um, the beautiful country, the beautiful continent of Africa, the continent of Africa with all the amazing countries within that continent. Our history started there amongst kings, and queens, and, and maybe even some servants there as well. But our history is rich in culture, rich in dancing, rich in knowledge, rich in innovation, uh, rich in collaboration. Our history is so rich and so vast and so amazing. And again, it did not start on the cotton fields of America. 
Just wanted to let you know. All right. Let me do my updates first. Well, no, I don't want to do my updates first. I'm actually going to do my sip first. So y'all bought me. I don't know why I only gave myself a little bit of water, but I'm about to drink some. So I got a little water tonight. Watch y'all sipping on citrus she can tonight. So again, I'll say it every time, the McBride sisters, they have a winery in California. They make the shikin specifically for us ladies, for your shishid or your your product, your garments, your, um, you know, your, your wedding, what your bridal showers, you know, your girls night out or girls night in, whatever you're doing. It was all right to taste it. I should have. It has grapefruit, guava, golden kiwi. And yeah, so yeah, notes of tropical grapefruit, guava, and golden kiwi. So I'm excited. I'm gonna open this with you. I did bring a paper towel over just so I won't. I don't want to damage my technology. Woo! A little pop there, little bubbles there. So woo! I can smell that. So this one I think has 12.5% alcohol in it. Um. For some reason, I don't see it. But anyway, this is a spritzer. So let's see if I can find it. Oh, it's not at the bottom. 8%. So it has 8% alcohol in it. So I'm going to pour me a bit. Get it away from my technology. I'm only going to pour. I'll show you guys what I'm doing. I'm only going to pour a little bit because y'all know I was a little crazy last week. Not because of the alcohol, but because of the topics that I was discussing. We won't get it twisted. But so this is my, so what are we going to toast tonight? This is Island Citrus, She Cam, McBride Sister. So what are we going to, tonight we're going to toast to every black person who has struggled and who has overcome. Cheers to you and to me. Ooh, this smells good. I smell this more so hot. Ooh, that's wrong. Mm, it's not bad. It's not bad. I can taste the citrus undertones in this one. So cool. Yeah, I definitely taste those those citrusy undertones in that. So yeah, that's not too bad. I'm strong a drinker. So that alcohol is really, really strong, but that's it's not bad, not bad at all. All right, so let's keep going. I want to give you a few updates. So you all, I'm pretty sure you've heard the news that um, um, President Putin, he has invaded parts of Ukraine. I did have a map. Oh, actually, I do have a map. Places where bombings that went on places in the Ukraine. I I don't I don't understand why world leaders want to dominate other countries. Like I know that Russia is in charge of parts of Ukraine, but I don't know why world leaders want to invade other countries. I don't really understand the the thought of world domination. I don't really get that cuz I I I'm thinking I have enough to do just to rule over or to guide over or to lead over what's been entrusted to me. Like, 
like, why would I want to go into other countries, other territories and invade them? I know that's on a smaller scale and I know world leadership, you know, is on a much higher scale than what I'm doing, but I still don't understand it. Um, Putin, who is the president of Russia, he has claimed that his military, um, his military around the Ukrainian border and now actually setting off bombs in um, last night. But he claimed his goal was to protect people subject, subjected to bullying and genocide and aim for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. Now, in case you don't know, Jewish president. <laughs> the Nazis came after the Jews. This is a Jewish president. I'm pretty sure he is not leading Ukraine in a Nazi in a Nazi style fashion. But this is as he claimed. He went on to say that um he is trying to keep Ukraine from being taken over by extremists. And this is particularly relevant because in 2014, the Ukrainians protested against the rule of the pro-Russian president, Viktor Yanukovych, okay? He is a pro-Russian president. They protested his rule and he was ousted. He was out of there. And some, um, some girls for standing up for their rights and for standing up for a leader who would, you know, have the citizens of Ukraine's best interests in mind. So there's still some residual effects there of them getting rid of that pro-Russian president in 2014. Also, um, so we know that late in 2021, um, Putin began deploying big numbers of Russian troops close to the Ukrainian border. And as a result, we had some of the bombs that went off um, into this morning. I wanted nation has long since moved toward the the Western Imperial Alliance NATO. Announcing Russia's invasion, he accused NATO of threatening the historic future, their historic future as a nation. That is what Putin claimed. And um, I'm, I'm reading here the things that he said and the reasons why he has given to invade Ukraine, but I don't know what his the, the end game is. Like, what is his ultimate goal in doing this? I don't. I do not know. So let's pray for the people of Ukraine. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for us. Let's pray for their other allies. Let's pray that this does not turn into a full scale war. Let's pray that our troops, who have already been sent over to Ukraine. Um, our Fort Bragg soldiers have been sent. I don't know what other soldiers have been sent from other bases. I just know for sure Fort Bragg soldiers have been sent over. Let's pray that they will not have to get involved in a war, that they will not um, lose their lives, that they will not have to engage with the Russians. Let's pray that this, that a ceasefire will happen. Let's pray that God will will intervene on the behalf of the Ukrainians, that there will be a, a peace, like a settlement of peace, a peace treaty, negotiations, talks, so that whatever Putin is thinking, whatever resolve he want, he desires, that it will come about, but not to the detriment of the Ukrainian people. Let a resolve come about that's good for the Russian government, as well as Ukraine. It's not, but I'm going to give you then we're going to get into Black history. We just need to go on our world because what it does affect us here in America is the um, 
top of oil of my tank up today it was three dollars and 34 cents to fill up my tank when i saw my that um the price going up over 30 like i can fill up my tank normally i can fill up my tank for 23 24 dollars when i saw it going up to 30 over 30 oh i was frozen about that but it just it is what so this attack on the Ukraine does not get worse. Um, President Biden did make a speech today. I forgot to tune in while I was at work, so I do not know what he said. I didn't get an opportunity to tune in since I've been home, but I know that he has already put in place some sanctions against Russia. He has stated that he will put in place if Russia decides to move away from Ukraine. And so I'll have to get an update. You get an update because Sip and Say with Stephanie is in another two weeks after tonight. So you get an update for yourself to hear what the president is saying. So we'll know you know, how we are to pray, how we are to petition heaven for a quick and peaceful resolve in Ukraine, okay? Excuse me, so let's pray for the people of Ukraine. Let's also pray for Putin and for the Russian government, all right? I also wanted to give you two additional updates. I don't know if you know it yet, you all, but Kim Potter is officer, former police officer who shot and killed Dante Wright back in April 11, 2020, uh, excuse me, 2021, about to say 22, but 2021, it's almost been a year since he was killed. Um, she did go to trial for the murder of Dante Wright. She received two years, y'all, two year prison sentence for killing Dante Wright. She um, she said that she meant to grab her taser, but she grabbed her gun instead. I don't know if you've ever held a gun, if you ever ever held a taser, but they're two different weights. A trained police officer would know which which weapon um, they are grabbing. I'm, I, 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 I know she felt the weight of that gun, and I know she felt that that weight was different than an actual taste. She felt it right. It was a traffic stop. So, I don't want to say no. She should have received more. Um, what she should have received, I don't know, but it definitely should have been more than two years for killing somebody. Last update, last news update. Uh, as I stated last, Sip and Say with Stephanie, Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael and William Bryan, they were on trial for hate crimes against Ahmaud Arbery for, for um, hate crimes, violating his rights and killing him because he was black. They were on trial for that. Well, just this week, they were found guilty of hate crimes against Ahmaud Arbery. They are already serving a life sentence. I don't know what the sentence will be on top of the sentence they are already serving. Um, I didn't get the details of when that sentencing will be, but they were. So that was it for that. <laughs> Three times that black person came against them. Of course, justice would have been Ahmad um, Aubrey being alive and well. But because he's not, I feel like the criminal justice system or the criminal injustice system and sent uh, Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William and in Ahmaud Arbery. So I'm going to happen. All right. So those are done with that. We're going to get right into Black history. I purposely wrote, wore my Black Lives Matter earrings 
so that I just wanted to put on, I was going to put on my afghan, but I or my dashiki, but I was like, you know, I just want to wear my earrings tonight, so that's what we're doing. So let's get into some black history, y'all. So what I did is I did not purposely pick women, <laughs> and I ended up picking all women to talk about tonight, and I'm okay with that because I am a black woman. I got my black woman, she can, right beside me that I'm sipping on tonight, so it's all good. So I first want to talk to you about May Bertha Carter. I like May because my grandmother's name was May. So, hey, Miss May. Of course, Miss May has passed away, but hey, Miss May in heaven. Miss um, Bertha, uh, May Bertha Carter. She, so, this is Black History Parenting. So, I'll call the back Black History Facts in parenting section. So, May Bertha Carter was born on January 19 in Mississippi. She married Matthew Carter in 1999, were sharecroppers. They raised 25 acres of cotton. They acquired a portion of their profits to the plantation owner. In 1967, of 13 children, white, decent at this time, but it's when seven in an arc or in a they had again, again, had already happened um, in Mississippi. Now, their plantation owner wasn't too happy about this, so this is what he told them to do. He told the Carters to withdraw their children because they would receive a better education at a black school. Now, I don't know if you know the history of black schools during this time, but black schools did not have the resources that white schools have. That's not too much different than it is today. The black schools often received the hand-me-downs of white schools, whether it was old books, old resources. They did not have the, the money, the funding, the resources to, to pour into the black children. So these teachers of these black children, they did the best they could to make sure that our black children was as educated and as ready for the world as white children were. So that's what a plantation owner told them to do. Ms. May Bertha Carter later said, he cannot tell me what to do about my children. I know that's right. You don't mess with a black mother. I'm just, don't mess with a black mother about her kids. Don't do it, y'all. Don't do it. So anyway, um, As a result of, so the Carters decided to keep their children in these white schools. And as a result, the Carter's house, it was riddled with bullets. Like one night, somebody riddled their house with bullets in the middle of the night. They were eventually evicted, losing their income, and of course, losing their home. But did that deter the Carters? No, ma'am, no, sir. They kept their children in these all white schools. And from 65 to 68, the Carters were the only black family that kept their children in these predominantly white schools. The only family in the county to keep their children, Sunflower County, to keep their children because the Carters recognized that their children could get the very best education at these white schools because, again, the resources were there. In 1967, the Carters decided, the Carters, excuse me, well, yeah, the Carters and Marion Wright Edelman. If y'all don't know who Marion Wright Edelman is, look her up. She was a defense lawyer with the NAACP, well, excuse me, she was a lawyer with the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund 
Incorporated. She is also the founder of the Children's Defense Fund, work that she's been doing for years, y'all, years. Check her out on the Children's Defense Fund. It is it, it is the, if not one of the, are non-profit for children, and in particular for the fight for support, influence legislation in relation. So Marion Edelman, her and the Carters decided to file a lawsuit against the Drew School District, challenging the state's freedom of choice law. So the freedom of choice laws allow parents to select their child's school. So what, um, So what the state did is they tried to keep black children in black schools by enacting this law. But the Carter Society, I'm going to challenge this law. So she so she sued the Drew School District. And guess what, y'all? Miss May won the suit in 1969, removing the last legal hurdle to the desection of these public schools. I'm telling you, parenting, look, y'all. Don't mess with a black parent's child, especially not a black mother's child. She sued. She won her case. And so five, uh, excuse me, let me backtrack. So eventually eight of children waited from what had been an all-white school, or excuse me, what had been all-white schools in Sunflower County. Five older children graduated from local black schools. Eleven also graduated from college. Seven of them from the once segregated University of Mississippi. So her children went on to, to graduate, to do great and wonderful things. I don't know what they're doing now, but I'm just declaring that they're doing great and wonderful things. I love the activism that, that Miss May and her husband advocated for their children to get the best education they possibly could get. So I salute Miss May Bertha Carter for fighting for her children, for advocating for her children, and for not letting the loss of income and the loss of home and the and her house being shot up deter her from getting what she needed for her children, deter her from her education they could get. So, so suits to Miss May Bertha Carter. All right, so moving right along to sports, let's talk about black history sports. Y'all, have y'all heard the name Aaron Jackson? If you haven't, you heard it here first on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. Aaron Jackson is the first Black woman to win an individual medal in speed skating at the Winter Olympics. She's also the first to win, to win in long track speed skating since 2002. So she is an Olympic gold medalist, y'all, Miss Erin Jackson. I'm so proud of her. I don't even know her, but I'm, I'm so proud of her. Like, she my sister. She my cousin. She my friend. I just, I'm so proud of her. So look, y'all, Erin um, used to be a, a roller skater. She started roller skating when she was eight years old. She was a star in inline speed skating. She won seven medals in world championship events and a silver medal at the 2015 Pan American Games. She started rolling, then she landed, and she decided to try some She um, only started skating in speed skating on ice in 2017. So she perfected her speed skating on ice over the last few years. And in 2022, she became a gold medalist in this event. 
Like Miss Erin Jackson, she did that. But look, you all, Erin did have a setback. Oh, before I get to her setback, let me share this. After only a year of practice, Erin qualified for the 20 Olympics, pushing to the 500 meters. And she was meters, meter, excuse me, let me slow down. Despite being the top ranked 500 meter skater in the world, Jackson was, she was um, in danger of missing the Olympics, y'all. She ranked third in the USB skating trials, she finished third, which would have disqualified her from going to the Olympics, y'all. But guess what? Her who got in first place, she gave her place to Erin. She gave her place. So she set herself aside so that Erin could have an opportunity to make history. I watched them on Good Morning America, I think about a week or so ago, they were on Good Morning. I actually watched the event where she actually slipped on the ice. Like it was really subtle, but I guess when you're doing speed skating, it's gotta be that very slight skip and you can tell it in her face, she knew like, oh my goodness. And they made her her spot. They did interview on Good Morning America. And I can't remember why, but she understood the significance of Aaron competing in this speed skating um, event and potentially winning again to make history and she did so i would like to celebrate Brittany bow for for being humble enough and courageous enough and just sweet enough to give her spot to someone else understanding again the historical significance of her competing and possibly winning which she did Thank you miss Brittany bow and to aaron jackson congratulations girl for winning for being the first african-american to win an individual medal in speed skating at the winter olympics congratulations to you i hope you celebrate it well <laughs> i hope you celebrate it well and I do want to say that Erin was very appreciative to, to Brittany for, for, for giving her this opportunity. And we appreciate it too. So congratulations, Erin. Um, so let's move right down to science and medicine, y'all. So one, one thing I decided to do for our Black History Facts this year, if you go back and look at the Stephanie Humphrey channel, in February of 2021, the Black Edition, you will hear me give several um, Black history moments of seasoned Black history individuals that have either passed away or are just up in age. But this year, I thought it was important to highlight some of the Black history makers that are still living and, and are still, well, all Black history is relevant, but are more relevant to the younger generation and being, a, being an example for the younger generations in our time. Time today. So just wanted to share that with you. So Deja Taylor, if you all have never heard of Deja Taylor, then you're hearing her for the first time on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. This young lady, you all, in October 2019, she began working on a suture thread that changes colors when a surgical wound becomes infected. It would turn from red, bright red, to a dark purple. And if it turned from bright red to a dark purple, in that wound, and they could, you know, go on to the doctor or the kitchen. 
She entered a science fair with her suture. She won awards at regional science fairs, and she became one of the 40 finalists in the Regeneron Science Talent Search. The Regeneron Science Talent Search is one of the country's oldest and most prestigious science and math competition competitions for high school students. She entered and she became one of the um, 40 finalists. That's all right, Miss Deja. Deja is currently working on a patent for, she's continuing to experiment with her sutures, but she's also working on a patent. I pray, Deja, that you get that patent because I don't like they used to do for black sutures before a black person could do it because oftentimes we may not have known to do it or didn't have the education to do it. So girl, get your patent, girl, so that you can be credited for this amazing invention in the world of science, technology, education, and math in the world of STEM. Or, uh, yes, yeah, STEM. I want to say STEM. But the world world of STEM, yes. And so, uh, Deja is currently a freshman at the University of Iowa, where again she is continuing her work. I'm going to add a link to my description once the um, broadcast is over, so you can read some more about Deja Taylor. You can hear her turn. The main yes, is this a is yes? Get in the chat or the comments. Let me stop before Jeopardy try to get me for copyright. <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip while y'all 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 want to know what vegetable that she used to get her the sutures to turn from bright red to purple. I don't see nobody typing nothing in the chat. So okay, I'm gonna take a sip while y'all thinking. I'm gonna tell you. She actually used beets, y'all. Beets, y'all. I don't like beets to eat. Like, I think, I think my grandmother used to put beets on the table. Not a lot, but sometimes she did. I don't, I do not like beets. I have tried them. I don't like them. But she uses beets, y'all, to um, cause the sutures to turn different colors. Now, how she does it, I don't know. There is a video, but y'all, isn't that amazing? That like. Just something that 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 we can produce in our environment, you know, in our garden to help patients who have had surgery. Oh gosh, this brings me so much joy, y'all. Look, <laughs> look, my mom guessed carrots. That was a good guess. And now, look, my mom and my aunt said beets. <laughs> Thank y'all for adding that to the chat. But yes, that's what she uses in order to determine. And I, as a person who has had surgery, y'all, I had a major surgery. And I did have sutures, you know, to close up my wound. And of course, you know, everything was well. I did not get an infection. Thank you, God, for that. Um, so, but how amazing would it have been, you know, for me to have had that technology that Deja um, created that she invented in the event that I had an infection. And it's so interesting because before I had the surgery, I actually talked to one of my coworkers who had had the same surgery that I had a few years ago, and she shared her experience with me, and she actually got an infection from the surgery. She actually got an infection from her side. So how awesome would it, would it have been if she would have had these suits? Because something's not right. For coming up with the idea to have um, sutures that turn color. Uh, surgery patients will know if they have received it or if they have um, gotten an infection in that site. Like, salute to you, girl. You are doing it. And Daisha, I think Daisha right now is, she's either 18 or 19 now, y'all. 
and I believe she was 17. Um, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a minute since I've watched the video, but if I'm remembering correctly, she was 17, either 16 or 17, when she came up with this idea and began to perfect it. Oh, I'm so excited. Like, that makes me so happy. I love it when young people are doing amazing things, especially in the area of STEM, y'all. Science, technology, engineering, math, y'all. It is so amazing to see young people and then young Black people and then a young Black girl doing something this amazing, you all, that will help surgery patients for years and decades and some. I salute Miss Deja Taylor in the area of science and medicine. All right. So we're going to move right along to activism. So you all, I did take it back a little bit with this um, person, of this activist. Her name is Amelia Boynton. Ooh, excuse me, y'all. She was born in 1911. She passed away in 2015, y'all. I think she was 100 and... She was 103 when she passed away. That's oof. That's what I'm talking about. I guess I could have done the math in my head, but y'all, I won't try to do no math. But anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Miss Amelia Boynton. She was both the first African-American woman and the first female Democratic candidate to run for a seat in Congress in Alabama, the very first. And even though she did not win, she did receive 10% of the votes. So go ahead, Miss Amelia. She's also something that she completed along with her husband, Mr. Samuel. They achieved Ooh, let me make sure I got this right. So Miss Amelia and Samuel, her husband, collectively worked toward achieving voting, property, and education rights for African Americans in Alabama, in particular those in farm countries. Uh, Miss Amelia worked tirelessly for voting rights. That is one thing I remember that she done just doing, just remembering some past research that I've done. So she held many voter registration drives in Selma from the 1930s to the 1950s, y'all. She was adamant about getting people registered to vote, y'all, because she understood then, even in the 30s, she understood the power that voting had for all people, but for African-American people in particular. So in 1964, as the civil rights movement was picked up, okay, so I already added that, that she ran for um, Congress, and that was in 1964. But I want you to know that she was, again, dedicated to securing suffrage of voting rights for African-Americans. So she asked Dr. King, this was in... 64, she asked Dr. King to come and help her with some voting, um, let me make sure I say it right. Yep, she she asked Dr. King to come to help promote voting rights in Selma, all right? So Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLC, they did come to Selma. They set up headquarters in Miss Amelia's, uh, Amelia's home, and they planned to march from Selma to Montgomery, which they did on March 7th. Y'all know this date well, the March Selma to Montgomery on March 7th, 1965, where about 600 protesters that arrived on the Edmund Pettus Bridge ready to cross over. But y'all know, y'all remember what happened, right? Y'all remember the videos, y'all remember the news report. Um, 
The, the event is known as Bloody Sunday because they were met with tear gas and they were met with um, billy clubs. And the policemen, they attacked not only Miss Amelia, but John Lewis was there, King was there, other, other, they were um, different days. Um, so 17 protesters were sent to the hospital, including Miss Amelia. Miss Amelia, you all, she was beaten unconscious. Beaten unconscious, taken to the hospital, we know it because she, you know, recently passed away. But she lived through it, you all. But it didn't stop her. <laughs> it didn't stop her, y'all. It didn't stop her. It didn't stop her. She continued to fight for voting rights of African-American people. Um, in 1988, she um, she served as a vice chair of the Schiller Institute. The Schiller Institute's mission is working around the world to defend the rights of all humanity to progress, material, moral, and intellectual. She served from 88 to 2009 with the Schiller Institute. Um, in 2014, she her role or her role in the civil rights movement and her role in the Selma to Montgomery march was immortalized on screen in the movie Selma, um, released by Ava DuVernay and the actress Lusanne, um, let me make sure I'm saying that right, L Lorraine Tucson, she played Amelia Boynton in the movie, not Boynton, let me make sure I'm saying her name, Boynton, Boynton, she played her in the movie Selma. I don't know if you all know who Lorraine Tucson is. She was one of the leading actresses in any day now. I think that was out in like the 80s or the 90s. Um, she went on to do uh, a numbers of numerous other roles, but she was she is an amazing actress. So it was like very thrilling and very exciting to see her playing the role of Miss Amelia Boynton. And so um, people, so the younger generation who might didn't know who she was or might didn't know that she was one of the originators of the Selma to Montgomery uh, March for voting rights. She was she was the originator. She was the one, again, that asked Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Council conference to come. And so um, on uh, January, no, 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 not January. Let me, let me backtrack. In March of 2020, I believe, Amelia held hands with President Obama as they marched alongside fellow civil rights activist Congressman John Lewis across the bridge to the 5th anniversary of the year. I believe it was in 2020, if I'm not down. But I'm going to look it up right now. Just to make sure that I have it right. And while I'm looking this up, okay, so it's March 7th, 2015. I apologize. I had the year totally wrong. I'm glad that I looked it up. Y'all, thank y'all for being patient with me because I didn't write that one down. So it was March 7th, 2015, when Miss Amelia held hands with Dr. with not Dr., but with President um, Barack Obama. And they walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I do remember seeing the pictures of that event taking place. Here with you all that um Miss Boynton, she was actually, yep, 103 that year, and then she passed away that same year on August 26th of 2015. I'm glad that she lived to be able to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. 
man, I don't know if her family had an opportunity to like record her talking about the civil rights movement or the Selma to Montgomery March or the other um, uh, activists act, um, um, acts of activism that her and her husband, you know, did in order to help African American people. Like I don't know if they have historical accounts of that. I hope so. Like I hope they have some written accounts or some recorded accounts of Miss Amelia talking about her experience and her activism as it relates to voting rights and and other rights and privileges for African-Americans. But what what a woman of rich history to have, you know, been with, with, with Dr. King and Congressman Lewis, the activists that were there during that time. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of history there with with Miss Amelia, and I wanted to honor her and remind us of who she is, or introduce us to who she is. If you didn't know, I want to share that Sharon Bruce was the mother's commitment to civil rights. The truth of it is that was her entire life. That's what she was completely taking love and supportive was her life. So I honor and salute Miss Amelia Boynton for the work that she did for all African Americans during the Civil Rights Movement and in particular in her home state of Mississippi. All right, so that was one of our activists. The other activists that I want to share with us tonight, in case you have never heard of Miss Latasha Brown, you should get to know Miss Latasha Brown. She is a young activist. who is currently like, she she calls it the blackest bus. I think she calls it the blackest bus in America, but she is the co-founder of Black, Vote, Black Voters Matter. And she has been traveling the United States to get people registered to vote, to talk about voting. Um, and she has like, I, I first saw her while she was actually on her bus. It was on the Roland Martin Unfiltered show and he was interviewing her. And you could tell that there was some movement going on and she was uh, sitting in the back Back of her bus and she was doing this interview with Roland Martin. I can't remember what state she was headed to at that time, but again, she's been all over the United States getting people registered to vote, talking about voting, active, uh, being an activist for Black and Brown people. And so I'm just getting to know, I just am getting to know her between like last year and this year. So Miss Latasha Brown, she's an activist. She is a lecturer. She is internationally known. Um, she's been doing this work for a very long time. She's been working for social justice, um, political empowerment, human development. That's all on her website in her About Me page. She's been doing this this about her. This is from her website. As a co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund, and the BVM Capacity Building Institute, Latasha is adamant about ensuring that all human beings have access to quality education, safety, security, peace, love, and happiness. Striving daily to hear the voices of women in leadership, amplified and supported, she is also working to eliminate human suffering through her vision of the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. Recognizing that her work is not rooted in strengthening political systems, governments, or institutions, but in the, but in the advancement of people. Latasha serves as an authoritative figure 
is millions. Again, I'm just getting to know her. I follow the Black um, Voters Matter Fund on social media. So um, I'm in a, a little bit keeping track of the different states that she's going to, that she's gone to. I don't remember them and I didn't write them down. I can't rely on my memory, but I'm really in awe of the work that happened and that she can for black and brown people and to make sure that people are educated about voting, are registered to vote and can exercise their political power to vote. So I wanted to give you that information about Miss Latasha Brown. Again, it was straight from her website. I think it's misslatashabrown.com if I'm not mistaken. Do some research about her and get to know her a little bit better. Um, all of her years of activism. Um, she also is the founder of Saving Ourselves Coalition. It's a community-led disaster relief organization that helped hundreds of families in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Y'all know it took the American government way too long to get to the people of in, in, um, in Louisiana, which was, if I'm not mistaken, it was a ninth ward where location and it took ever to get people work on top of like structures you know those wires that took forever to recede and so miss latasha brown was during her i do want to note that she currently serves on the board of the national coalition on black civil participation the southern doc the, um Documentary Fund, the U.S. Human Rights Work, and the Congressional Progressive Caucus Center. She is doing some amazing work for all for all people, but in particular for Black and Brown people. So I encourage you to visit her website, look her up, check her out, follow her on social media if you can support her. Black. Um, Black Voters Matter Fund. If you're able to do that, do that because she is doing some great work in this here United States of America. So those are our two activists. So I want to get into the medicine with Miss Deja, but I really want to highlight Miss. Um, yeah, let me do Dr. Kizmikia. I think I'm saying her name right, Dr. Corbett. Corbett, if I'm saying your name wrong, I sincerely apologize. But Dr. Kizmikia Corbett, she used her viral immunology expertise to propel novel vaccine development for pandemic preparedness, including the mRNA-1273, a leading vaccine against SARS-CoV-2. In other words, she was a one that did some did the research and initiated the vaccine for the for the um um for the COVID-19. Um, so she was the initiator of that. She did the research, her and her team, and they are the ones that initiated and came up with the vaccine for COVID-19. So that was just a fancy word of saying she came up with the vaccine. <laughs> So Dr. Corbett, she is a research fellow for the coronavirus vaccine and pathogenesis team for National Health, the National Institute of Allergies, the research center, which is a VR. Dr. Corbett received a BS in biology sciences with a secondary major in sociology to Baltimore County. She was a scholar while at Baltimore or at the University of Maryland in Baltimore County. And she was an NIH, National Institutes of Health, undergraduate scholar. She also enrolled 
in the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> where she at, hey Duke, where she obtained her PhD in microbiology and immunology in 2014. So salute to Dr. Corbett for coming up with the vaccine. Hey, Dr. Corbett. Hey, girl. How you doing? Thank you for your work with immunology and infectious diseases. Thank you for coming up with a vaccine that has helped save hundreds of thousands of lives from the COVID-19. We salute you and we honor you. You all do some research. Look up Dr. Corbett and get some more information about her. And we salute her and we are thankful for her work. Um, with infectious diseases and immunology. All right. So I also want to just mention Miss Billy Avery. Miss Billy Avery is the founder of the Black Women's Health Imperative. You all, if you've never gone to a workshop or a seminar or or an event of the Black Women's Health Imper Imperative, you should do it. I'm actually going to put their YouTube link in the description i have attended their events their their information is so rich it will help for life. I encourage you to visit their website at bhbwhi.org and again i'll put the website and the link for the youtube videos in the description last year i think it was in april if i'm not mistaken last year they celebrated um 38 years of supporting black women supporting health the health of black women and they did a series of um of videos like leading up to the anniversary celebration and i participated in their um in their videos one was about that's when i first learned about um what was it called? I was a young lady. I mean, it was so peaceful, so relaxing. But she used crucibles. She hung, and she may have had some other um, instrument there. And she, you know, you just sit back and relax. I was sitting in my recliner, and she was like making music with the crucibles, and she did the gong a few times. And it was very peaceful, and it was very relaxing. That was my first introduction to a sound bath. There was a young lady who took us through some yoga poses. Oh my gosh, some of those poses I just could not do. My body is not flexible enough to move and do all of that but she took us through some yoga poses sherry shepherd came on and she talked to us about um diabetes and, and eating healthy and exercising and we did a little dance routine at the end i i, I wish i would have been dressed to get on the camera so you all can actually see me on the video because they were showing us on the video but i i didn't dress to be seen on the video <laughs> So you're not going to see me, but you will see the Stephanie Humphrey channel in the chats. If you go and look, look at those videos, you will see the Stephanie Humphrey channel making comments in the chat. It was very encouraging and enlightening to be amongst those Black women and to get the information and to participate in those, in the events. Um I've also gone back to listen to some of the other videos that they've had, like Sierra did a serving, serve, serving, I think it was called serving cervical or something like I think they took they took serving then they took cervical and they meshed it together. And so she's talking about cervical cancer, the importance of women vagina health. This is if I say what Stephanie, I'm gonna say what I want to say. Women taking care of a of our vagina health, knowing your vagina, discharges, smells, whatever, taking care of us there. And so she did a, a short video on that. Um 
Oh gosh, there were some other um, entertainers that did some other videos I can't think of right now. They just recently did a talk about COVID-19 where there were some educators and other community leaders talking about the impact of COVID-19 on education and in our community, and in particular with our black and brown children and communities. And so they just, they produce some very relevant and necessary information. I follow them on social media as well to stay updated about the events and the other information that they're sharing. Um, they are on, I think it's 1 million women. Uh, you know what? Let me not say that because I, I can't remember. I can't rely on my memory. I should have wrote it down, but I'm going to put it in the description because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they're currently working on getting 1 million women um, to have a mammogram so that we can take care of our breast health as well. And so if I need to correct that, I'll do it in the description, but they are doing this, um, they're doing amazing work at the Black Women's Health Imperative. It is like the number one um, uh, or the leading, I would say the number one, in my opinion, the number one um, organization that talks about and supports Black women's health, you all. They even have a um, program going on for, um, I think it's a diabetes program, if I'm not mistaken. So they have so many initiatives and they're working to make sure that Black women are healthy, whether it's during your pregnancy, like I said, vagina health, breast health, um, mental health, they, they just, they, um, produce materials and, and information to for us to take care of ourselves holistically. So again, I encourage you to check out their website, check out their past videos. They, again, have been working um, for 38 years, working for health equity for Black women. That comes directly from their website. They are, have been working 38 years for health equity for Black women. Um, currently, Linda Goler Blunt is a president. She's actually the one I see more so than Miss um, Billy Avery. I see Miss Linda um, like hosting events and um, sharing information and talking about the new initiatives that they have to support Black women. It's Miss Linda Goler Black Blunt. Excuse me. She is actually the president of the Black Women's Health Imperative. So get you some of that information, y'all. I'm telling you, it is so good. It's so rich. It is so helpful. Get you some of that. All right. So actually, I had one. Actually, that was it, y'all. That was it for Black History. I just wanted to highlight those individuals in Black History. Um, maybe you've never heard of them. Maybe you have. But if you didn't hear of them, again, you heard it for the first time on the Stephanie Humphrey channel. As I wrap this Sip and Say with Stephanie up, the Black computer is going to go out because it's low. Actually, um have it here and I wanted to highlight even if I'm not able to to I'm gonna do it for as long until it goes out but I want to highlight a few black shows y'all I think I mentioned Abbott Elementary at a previous sip and say y'all if y'all okay my computer just went out <laughs> I didn't realize it was getting low before the show but I'm over oh my y'all have heard I can't rely on my memory but I'm about to rely on my memory right now so if you've never seen Abbott Elementary, it is a sitcom that comes on on Tuesday nights at 9 a.m. on ABC, y'all. It is about these teachers in Chicago, their, their um, successes and, and woes <laughs> of being in the classroom, y'all. It is hilarious. I had the actors pulled up. <laughs> y'all, it is, it's so 
it's so accurate in some ways. And it is so funny, like they present these classroom situations and these principal situations and these teacher situations uh, in a comical, funny, fun way. And it is so hilarious. And I do tweet about it with my fellow Abbott Elementary watchers. It is so much fun. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick because I want to be able to give you um, the actors, one of the actors is Tyler from Everybody Hates Chris, y'all. So there are moments on Abbott Elementary where, you know, the actors are, they're going about their day. They're doing their job as actresses and actors. But there are moments, several moments throughout the sitcom where they look in the camera. And it is, it is hilarious, y'all. Like those looks that they give in the camera are worth the watch right by itself. The principal, Principal Ava, is a hot mess, y'all. I don't know how she became a principal of an elementary school or any school, because she is not thinking about them kids, y'all. She thinks she's, like, shopping while she's at work, asking them, like, one episode. She's like, you like these pants? Like, I'm just like, you're supposed to be principaling over these children. You're supposed to be going in the classrooms, making sure the teachers are doing what they're supposed to be doing, making sure the kids are learning, doing observations, y'all. Principal Ava is a hot, stinky mess, and she is so much fun on Abbott Elementary. So let me let you know who the cast is. I'm actually on their website right now. Um, I should have typed in cast, but I'm about to do it now. Um, let me see if I can get to the cast. So I can tell you exactly who, and, and the, the, the lead person for Abbott Elementary it's actually named after her teacher. I think it was her elementary teacher. Her last name is Abbott. And so she um, decided to, to name the show after her teacher. Y'all, teachers have such a powerful impact on children. Teachers out there, y'all better make sure y'all using y'all teacher powers for good. Nurture these kids. Love on these kids while you're teaching them. Encourage them. Um, speak life to them. You know, undergird them. You, I know you need to teach. I know you got curriculum to teach. I know you've got to teach the standards. You've got to teach to the test in some respects. But have fun with your children and let them know that you are there for them because I promise it will leave a lasting impact on the children that you're teaching, the children that you have been entrusted with. Okay, that's my soapbox about teaching because I am a teacher, so I can say that to other teachers. Thank you very much. And plus, this is if I say, well, Stephanie, I have to remind y'all to say what I want to say. But look, this is a cast of Abbott Elementary. Oh, y'all, we got Shirley Ralph. Guess who's coming to dinner? The Mighty Dread, not from the Mighty Queen. Okay, so Shirley Ralph and also from Moesha, she's in. Tyler James Williams is a young man who was, who played Chris and Everybody Hates Chris. His looks, y'all, are priceless. Oh, his looks are so, he, all you have to do is look on Gregory, his name is Gregory on the show. All you have to do is look on Gregory's face and you know exactly what he's thinking. So we got Tyler James Williams. We got Quentin Brunson is the creator of the show. She plays Janine. So a lot of the show centers around some, some um, things that she wants to implement within the school and trying to get her colleagues on board. Oh my gosh. Then we have Janelle James. She plays Ava. We have Gregory. Um, we have Gregory Schropperson who plays Wendell. We have Nakia Gamby-Turner. Oh, wait a minute. That's not right. Hold on. Let me go back. They got the wrong picture with the wrong name. Let me see. I'm, I'm looking for the janitor's name. They got the picture. Um, 
of the lunch of the janitor, but it says it's a lunch lady. So I don't know who the janitor is, but like the janitor is really good. Like I really like him. And so it the Adventist Elementary is so much fun. The children in the show are wonderful, you all. I'm thinking that they took that they cast children in Chicago. I'm not quite sure about that piece of information. Research it for yourself. But the children are wonderful in the show, y'all. Get you some of Adventist Elementary. Again, it comes on ABC on Tuesdays at nine o'clock. It is hilarious. Now I have to share this information with you. There were some, a group of white women, just say how it is, just sip and say what's with me, that did not like the portrayal of teachers in Abbott Elementary. I think they got shut down on social media. So it's all good. It's a predominantly black cast by a black creator. Enough said, right? But it's hilarious. Get you some of it. And let me know what y'all think. Like, if you've watched it, go ahead and add it to the chat. If you haven't watched it, check it out and let me know what you think in the comment section. I, I absolutely love the show. So moving right along, if you that's that's the only show that I'm currently watching, like the only black show that I'm currently watching. The only other show that I watch on a regular basis is 911. 911 is coming back on in March, so I'll be watching Monday nights at eight o'clock. I'll be watching my 911. Uh, oh, oh, okay, it's not coming on first 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 Monday. That's my family Bible study, so okay, I'm all good. I think it's coming on March 24th. So check plus plus for that. So I'm excited for that to be coming back on. I also have been watching um, Blackish. I have never watched Black, like I've watched pieces of Blackish, Blackish throughout the years, but I'm not a regular watcher of the show. But because it's their last season, I have been catching a few of the episodes. It's a really interesting show. I actually went back and watched the first couple of seasons just so I can prepare for this eighth season so I can have some background knowledge. And it's it's a pretty good show. Um, some of the episodes that I've watched really highlight, like they really dive into what's going on in Black America. Their family had a discussion about police shooting Black men. You're not going to find that on a lot of shows, but they had that discussion with their children. They did an episode about the woes that we experienced under President Trump's administration. That show was not originally aired. They did not. I don't know the, the, the title of that episode, but it was not originally aired. Um, and they eventually just, I don't know how long ago it was. I want to say it was about a year or so later. I can't really remember, but it finally was released. You can see it on Hulu. It was finally released and I watch it. I don't know what the big deal was as far as them not releasing it when it was initially supposed to be released. To me, it was very straightforward. They did it in a very tasteful and respectful way, but the point you know, they got the point across. So if you do have Hulu or, or another streaming channel that shows Blackish, I encourage you to go back and watch a few of their episodes because they really do highlight what has going on, what has been going on in Black America over the last eight years. Um, another few shows that I would love for you to tune into if you can, you all have already heard me talk about Soul of a Nation. Soul of a Nation came on last year. I can't remember which season it was, but it was a six part mini series that came on that talked about blacks in sports, black activism, blacks in the entertainment world, blacks in church. And I can't remember what the other two episodes about. You can still watch Soul of a Nation on ABC. Just type in Soul of a Nation. You can still catch those episodes. It's some really great information, really rich information. 
And at the end of each episode, Sunny Houston, who is one of the hosts of The View, she does a kitchen talk. Uh, I think a kitchen, is it a kitchen table talk or just in the kitchen? I think it's called In the Kitchen with Sunny Houston. And that's when uh, some of the guests get real, real about when they first knew they were Black. Um, ish- Issues with our hair. Y'all know the 2019 Crown Act is in effect. So they get, the guests get very real about being Black in America. So it's good. So see if you can catch it. Also, if you, you've heard me say it before, but if you didn't watch Women of the Moon, of the Movement, you can watch it on Hulu. It was a, I think it was a four part, I think we had four parts of Women of the Movement and highlighted Miss Mamie Teal, who was the mother of Emmett Teal, who was brutally tortured and killed. Um, uh, the two men who allegedly did it, but who really did it, they did go on trial. They were found not guilty. They uh, later admitted to doing it in a, um, I can't remember the name of the, the magazine, um, but they actually admitted to, to killing him. Of course, they couldn't be trialed again because we have such a thing in America called double jeopardy. If you've gone on trial for, for a crime, there's no way that you can go on trial again for it. So why not say we killed him? So they did. Anyway, Women of the Movement takes us through the journey of Emmett with his parents in Chicago, or with his mom and grandmother in Chicago, him going with his uncle, um, uh, what was his uncle's name? Um, uncle Hits in Mississippi with his uncle. And then, you know, the events that happened that led up to his death and after it. Y'all, it, 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 it has such great information about events that surround it, buried in the facts about murder for his murder. Um, and I know Kent um, lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. She is the one that accused Emmett of whistling at her. She's still alive. Again, she lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. The two men are alive. Um, so, yeah, Women of the Movement is amazing. Um, I also want you to watch, if you can, Summer of Soul. So, I don't know if you've heard of Summer of Soul, but Questlove whose real name is, and I see, I had that pulled up on my computer, but I'm going to look it up, y'all, because this is this really is going to be the last thing that I talk about. So Questlove, I don't know, I do not remember the story of how he came across these tapes, but in, now I have to type up somewhere, so, because I didn't write this one out, I actually had it on my computer so that I could read it out to you, but let me just go ahead and type it in. I actually watched while while my while this is loading. I actually watched Soul, uh, Summer of Soul last year on Hulu. Oh man, it's amazing, y'all! It it was the Black Cultural Festival. Um, let me see, make sure I'm saying it right. Y'all, give me just a minute. Let me look it up because I want to make sure I'm giving you accurate information about the Summer Soul. Yeah, yeah. So while I'm looking this up, it features art like B.B. King, um, Sly and the Family Stone, yes, um, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Aretha Franklin, um, the Chavis uh, family, Stevie Wonder, who else was there, uh, Marilyn McCoo, I can't remember the group that she was with, but the Marilyn McCoo, that her, her and her Family did did us uh, did some singing. Nina Simone, shut it down, y'all. Um, and some Latino artists that I worked that I wasn't familiar with them, but they they worked it out. And so Summer of Soul, I'm still getting there. I started talking, so let me get there. 
this is not giving me the information that I want. Okay, so let me let me look it up another way because this isn't giving me the, the information that I want. And y'all, I'm going to just be honest, y'all. Like, I did not subscribe to Hulu. I subscribed to Hulu just to watch Summer of Soul. And that was, that was the one part. And then because during the holidays, Hulu had a 99 cent a month sale. So I got Hulu for the next year for 99 cent a month. So I was like, I'm going to jump on that. And I went straight to Summer of Soul because I heard... Um, you know, Amir, who is Questlove, his 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 name is Amir Thompson. I heard Amir Thompson, aka Questlove, talking about this. He somehow found these tapes that were sitting in somebody's basement since the 60s. He compiled all of this wonderful, amazing, rich black history and 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 black excellence. He combined it into this movie and he actually won awards for releasing this movie y'all it's amazing like it is absolutely amazing if you want to you know watch summer of soul and you don't have hulu get somebody who got a hulu account ask them if you can come over their house and watch summer of soul and y'all just sunday this past sunday abc air summer of soul if i would have known it was coming on i would have let you all know sip and say last thursday but i didn't know i was flipping to the tv and i was like there's so hard so so i sat and i watched it all over again y'all it is so good okay so i'm supposed to be looking at that right so it was a black his black cultural festival i want to get it right y'all so let me see if i can find it um let me just say what is somewhere so and maybe that'll tell me, that'll give me some more. Okay, so Summer of Soul is a documentary film that shines a spotlight on the Harlem Cultural Festival. I knew I had it wrong. The Harlem Cultural Festival. It was a series of concerts that took place during the summer of 1969. So it's like six weeks, I remember reading, six weeks um, of, of, of concerts given by these amazing new and upcoming and already seasoned artist. And so again, these tapes were laying in somebody's basement and Questlove combined them together and he released Summer of Soul. I think he released it last year, if I'm not mistaken. Y'all, oh man, it's amazing. The Harlem Cultural Festival was, um, it was, um, it it was situated or it was the location for that's what I'm trying to say. The location for the Harlem Culture Festival was was right, um, was close to where Woodstock was taking place. So Woodstock was taking place over here. The Harlem Cultural Festival was taking place over here. They tried to release um Summer of Soul. Let me backtrack. They tried to release the Harlem Cultural Festival around that time as a Black Woodstock, but it was not well received. So again, these tapes sat in someone's basement. Questlove got a hold of them and he released them to the masses, y'all. I'm telling you, the singing is it's just amazing. And while the Summer of Soul was going on... Um, uh, well, anyway, I won't say that. Y'all can figure it out for yourself. Find out for yourself. Do some research for yourself. The Harlem Cultural Festival is amazing, y'all. Like, I was grooving, like, listening to it, especially the first time. I was just singing and dancing. It's just, it's it's amazing, y'all. Especially Sly and the Family Stone. Like, they was rocking. Like, so get you some Summer of Soul. Get you some Soul of a Nation. Get you some Women of the Movement. Get you some Abbott's Elementary. Are there any Black shows that you all are watching? Add it to the chat. Add it to the comments. I would love to know what you are watching so that we can watch it too. If there's a good show you know about, let us know. And tune in our souls. Bye.
All right, well, that's our black edition. She got a sip of her because that alcohol is whoo, shot, shot, shot. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, thank you.